0: Hello podcast listeners, welcome to episode three of season two of Queer Tales. I am joined this week by Mark, aka Marcus is a Cactus on Instagram. This episode is titled Learning Self-Love. In this episode, Marcus is going to basically walk us through his life, um, how he had a bit of a long journey to come to accept who he is, and eventually find his way to love who he is. It's a, a tough story, but one that I think a lot of people will recognize with. It's one that I recognized with. Uh, on a number of levels and it really just helped me feel less alone in the world and I hope I can do the same for you. Quick trigger warning, self harm is mentioned in Mark's story as is a story of uh, abuse by a medical professional. If either of these are an issue for you, please do skip this episode. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope it makes you feel connected with the queer community in some sense or another. Thank you and enjoy. So the no- the way I normally started off it is just, we do an introduction of uh, name, sexual identity, gender identity, and your pronouns, just to yep. be inclusive and kind of get that off the uh, off yep. the bat. So I'll fire away as I normally do. Uh, so my name is Luke Gallagher. Um, I am a cisgender gay man, uh, and I use he, him pronouns. If you want to fire away? Yeah.
1: So I'm Mark. I'm also a cisgender gay man, and my pronouns are he, him.
0: Perfect. So you would be, well, basically telling us the story of kind of how you came to accept yourself, I suppose, more than anything yeah. else.
1: Yeah, um, exactly.
0: So the best place, I suppose, to start in terms of, I suppose, it's to do with your uh, sexual identity. So I suppose, when did you first start questioning your identity?
1: I think, to be honest, I think I've known pretty much all my life that uh, I was gay. Um, I can remember... Back in primary school, probably when I was 10 or 11, you know, feeling kind of this attraction to other guys in my class. But I didn't really know what, what it was, obviously, at that stage. But um, it didn't, to be honest, it didn't bother me at all either. Like, I didn't think it was something different or weird or, you know, out of the ordinary. Yeah. But um, so, so, yeah, I'd say about around 10 or 11, I started noticing that I had these feelings. and it was when I was about to 13, 14, that I realized that other guys didn't feel the same way, like most other guys didn't feel the same way and that yeah. I was different. So that's when I started questioning myself. And am I, should I be different or should I, is that normal or, you know, Yeah. so I started. Uh,
0: and did you, did you come out when you were in school or did you kind of hold off for a while?
1: It It took me a long time, I think, to come out to, my family, um, I was, well, I was outed when I was uh, 16 by a guy that I was in class with and uh, the, who was gay and out and all that. And he kind of realized that I was gay as well. And he told everyone But I wasn't ready at all at this stage because I still thought that maybe I was just going through a phase or that I was bi maybe yeah. or you know I was still going through that and I hadn't processed all that. So I was out before I was ready. And at the time, I was also going out with a girl. um. So that was weird. Yeah, that was yeah. Quite weird. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think I came out to my family when I was about 18. Well, it was only my mum and sister when I was 18. And my dad, I only told him about three years ago. So that was it. Uh, and now I'm 28. So that would be it. seven years after. So I was 28 okay. when I told him, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I suppose we'll come back to that one. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so you came out and you were eighteen. So I suppose going into college kind of area.
1: Well, actually, I didn't go to college straight away because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So um, I was offered a job as a receptionist at my physiotherapist, which I, which I took on for a year. And after that, it was time for me to do um, the what we call the civil service. Uh, basically, here in Switzerland, you need you need to do military service or what they call civil service. So what I did is I worked in a creche for a year uh, with young children. And after that, um, uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided to leave for Australia and New Zealand for a few months. And after that, uh, after these three gap years, then I came back and I went into college and that was September 2015. I think it should be like a gap year between school and college should be
0: kind of normalized it's something that we don't have here it's just kind of assumed you go straight to college but like I did zoology as my bachelor's degree loved doing the course it was very interesting but like I I did my master's then in business so very clearly like I just went into it being like I like animals that that looks like the right route for me (laughs) Um, Um, so I think figuring yourself out over a couple of years is definitely a smart plan well it wasn't planned Uh, well Well, I did
1: plan on not going to college but like the three years that I three cap years that I took weren't planned really
0: so and then during that point um where were you in terms of kind of coming to
1: accept who you were and everything like that I think at that stage I was kind of not thinking about all that because when I was um 18 when I just finished I just finished um, secondary school and my granddad passed away and that was really really um hard on me took about three years I think to for me to really get over it um and my granddad being um from Mitch's actually, so we we went to um right. to the funeral and all that, and it was hard being away and all that. So yeah. I didn't really think about that, but that was when I started gaining weight. Um, so that was the start of I think the whole lot, the whole limb um, story. But yeah. I started gaining gaining weight at that stage, and I started doubting myself more and more, and feeling you know unworthy of. Um, I wouldn't say I didn't feel. Worthy of living at that stage, but I was definitely not happy yeah. at all. But um, yeah, I was kind of uh, I was pushing that aside and not thinking about it. Just only after a while that I reflecting on it that I realized that was was happening. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, so at those years it was you were going through grief. So you were kind of dealing with completely different issues. They were nothing to do with yeah. figuring out your kind of queer identity. It was just more figuring out yourself from an emotional point of view, I suppose
1: yeah exactly
0: um so from there what were you doing then kind of after those three years
1: well after that i decided um to go into um tourism school so that i did uh, three years of a bachelor's degree in tourism tourism management but before that i went to australia for a few months um because i needed awesome. to get um an english language certificate to um, to attend school college so I went there oh, right. and um, and I think that was really the point where I I started uh, meeting up with guys on grinder or other apps um, yeah regularly that was when I left for Australia and that that's when all that started and when I left for Australia and I went into the my English class I had told myself I don't want anyone to think that I'm gay I don't want to, anyone to question anything I just want people not to know anything you know and obviously after a week the questions were asked and i felt like my whole you know like my mask was shattered like and i felt as if i was exposed and i didn't want to be exposed i didn't want to to be different because i i felt that being gay was necessarily that i would be treated differently and that i wouldn't be considered um like another guy, you know there were yeah. a lot of other guys in there in the school as well and they were you know like the cliche the popular guys and that and I wanted to be like them and I felt that being gay I couldn't be like them yeah so I didn't want people to know that and so it kind of didn't help at that stage yeah and
0: so you were saying just before we can kind of start recording that you uh like grinder and stuff you felt like it didn't help you in terms of I suppose your mental health
1: yeah no it didn't Really, because as I said, so I had started gaining weight um, at uh, at some point before I went to Australia. And looking back at it, I wasn't what you'd consider fat, like um, or anything. Yeah. I, and I know I'm I'm just saying that in in brackets there because there's different definitions and perceptions. But I, if I was to look at myself and pictures of myself of that time, I wouldn't say that I was fat, like myself here now. But at the time, I felt really, really um, too fat. And obviously for Grindr, uh, I feel that there's, you know, a perfect profile or an ideal, and I didn't fit into that. So I used to get some guys who said, oh, no, you're too fat, or you're too this, or you're too that. And that obviously didn't help at all no. to make me feel uh, that I could be accepted or, if anything, loved as well. Um, yeah. So it was. it just basically started to become... Um, just about sex the like pure sex and that's it no interaction as such no you know no connection or yeah. because I mean you can you can still I think you can still hook up with people and you know have a connection and oh, yeah. uh, it can be a nice moment like you don't need to
0: just it can be a one-time
1: thing but it can still be a nice moment that you just connect with another human being kind of thing yeah exactly Yeah. yeah but that yeah that wasn't the case it was just basically yeah. me um giving myself to uh, to the other person because i didn't feel that i was worth anything else and i didn't even have uh things that i wanted to to do or to feel it was just do whatever you want in a sense because that's what i felt i was you know and um yeah so that definitely didn't help definitely yeah so and you were only in australia for a couple of months is it uh yeah I was in Australia for a few for three months and then I moved on to New Zealand for a month and then to the u s and you know I traveled around after that a little bit and okay very good the The hooking ups continued as well um yep. throughout the the trip and it and they didn't help like and yeah it just felt as well like that I had two mm. i wouldn't say two personalities, but there was part of me who was enjoying the um my discoveries and the travels and all that and there was yeah. this kind of part of me nagging uh, during the day saying oh you know you're not you, you shouldn't be enjoying what you're doing because you're not worth that and you know and in the end yeah. it was just it just felt like i was giving into this uh, voice if you like and that's that was when i used to, cup, to hook up with the guys yeah yeah so then did you come back uh to Switzerland then? yeah I did uh that was in June two thousand and fifteen uh so I came back and after that I started college in September of that year Very good but it did it go kind of downhill from there you were saying yeah it did uh, after that yeah. Yeah, so there was um college was uh in another state if you like in Switzerland, and it's known yeah. to be a state that's a little bit more conservative in general okay um so that, that's for the context, and that's why when I started, um, same thing as when I started in Australia, I didn't want anyone to assume anything about my sexuality, yeah. but obviously they did. And um, I was categorized straight away as oh, the gay in the school, you know, I wasn't the only one, but in yeah. the um, tourism degree, I turns out I was, uh, as oh, far okay. as I know, yeah. So, all the guys used to, you know, stay well away from me because i was gay so you shouldn't uh you know but i know it, it seems yeah. absurd to us obviously but that's what was going on yeah and so i had a lot of um uh, girl friends like uh, when i was in college and they were really nice but i was struggling at that time as well to uh, to find myself and i'm still am telling myself i maybe it's just a phase maybe i'll just I won't be gay and I'll turn out to be uh, straight and that'll be great. And th- no questions be, I'll have no more questions and I'll feel perfect. And I think that at that point, I felt that the only way out of all this was if I magically turned out straight and yeah. that would be the end of all the problems. So um didn't stop me from meeting up with different guys either. Because as I said, like um it was still, in the background, if you like, in my life at that stage. Because um, even though I, to the outside, everyone thought that I was happy and uh, joyful and all that, uh, yeah. on the inside, I was really hurting. And so I still had the these moments where I uh, went to meet up with guys. And that continued throughout as well, even though I was still telling myself, one day I'll be straight and that'll be, uh, you know, behind me. and. Um, yeah, what was
0: your kind of perception? What was your view of your own self-worth at that kind of moment in time?
1: To be honest, I don't think I'd, I had any. I, yeah. It's like I felt that I was going to end up like like that, you know, all my life, that I wouldn't find um, a boyfriend, that I wouldn't find a girlfriend either because I still thought that I might. Um, yeah. I And I didn't even ask myself the question anymore after that. It was just, oh it's a given, I'm going to end up like that. Yeah. And um, at that stage is when I started not using protection anymore with yeah. the guys. And it just started, can't remember, I can still remember the, the first guy it happened with. um, And it just, before that, I never asked myself the question. It was just condoms and that's it. And there was no uh, discussion. But There was just this first time where I, I don't know, I thought, you know, why not take it up to another level and in another level in the sense uh, of um, low self-esteem again. So it just happened. And from then on, it was, it just continued like that um, because I discovered a new way to kind of, I don't know how to say it differently, but like quench my thirst of this, it wasn't really at first, but I, I, at this stage, I felt really addicted to the feeling of yeah. uh, meeting up with these guys and f- feeling worthless in that moment. It, it's, I don't know if it's clear, but the, it, in these moments, I felt that that was truly who I was meant to be this worthless thing or object. And um, so that was just the perfect way to um, to go about it. It felt at this yeah. at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we were messaging about it, you you kind of used the perfect
0: term for it, where it was a form of self harm, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and it was this like throughout the college years?
1: Yeah, just throughout that. Um, so college lasted three years, uh, yeah. six months of which I spent in Montreal for um, an internship as part of the degree. And it continued in Montreal as well. Like it just the same, um, yeah. basically. And yeah, the, I, I used the term self-harm because that was how uh, I described it to my psychiatrist later on. Um, and that's how I felt, that's how I still feel about it now, thinking about, thinking back at it, that it was kind of self-harm because I didn't feel that I was worthy enough to, protect myself let yeah. alone protect the others
0: but um you know yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with using that term I, I think if anything it's kind of a healthy thing to be able to identify it as that's what you were doing rather yeah. than to be saying like oh sure I, I don't know why i was doing this or and mm. kind of that. at least you you're aware yourself like yeah i was in a horrible place and i was basically punishing myself because i didn't like who i was at the time yeah
1: yeah that's 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 exactly it actually right it really felt like I was punishing myself, but I didn't realize it was punishment until later on.
0: Yeah. So after you finished college, did you kind of continue after that? Or where are we kind of in the timeline?
1: So it, yeah, it did continue. But before that, I forgot to mention, uh, I did yeah. try and see a psychiatrist at that time when I was in college. So Good. still in uh, Valais, so that um, uh, more conservative region. Um, and so I went to see him and told him about how I felt and my behavior and told him about how I, how I felt as well about my weight at that stage, because it was still going uphill like, and it, um, and the only thing, he was hopeless, like really, he was hopeless, and I remember one time I went to him and it must have been a few, three months maybe after we started the first session, so we had sessions every week and three months later, I remember coming to him and he said, oh, well, you should really watch your weight, uh, really watch what you're, what you're eating, and I felt so hurt by that because for, for the last three months, I've been telling him how bad I felt about people looking at me and commenting on my weight, especially guys on grinder, obviously, um, yeah. and how I felt bad, you know, just to be seen, um, and he of all people should have known not to say that, not to comment on my weight, especially as I told him that I, I'm trying to do anything, uh, everything that I can you know, to lose weight or to eat less and to um, exercise more and all that. But yeah. that really hurt me. And now if my uh, the new psychiatrist that I was seeing had uh, said that to me, I'd have left and that would yeah. have been the end of it. But at that time, obviously, I felt like I deserved what he was saying because, yes, he was right. I wasn't, you know, um, doing enough uh, for it, and and it didn't help either because I, you know, all these different uh, things and different people that I met didn't help either. And um, after that, I think uh, still in college, I used to date a guy. Well, I thought we were dating, yeah. but it turns out he was meeting other guys as well. In um, while we were, uh, because he. Like, I had told him that I felt that I wanted us to be exclusive, and he said, well, yes, fine. But he, in the end, he wasn't. And one okay. day, he just came up to me and said, well, uh, I was just tested positive, positive for HPV, so you should get tested. And yep. so I went to see a proctologist over there who basically told me that uh, I brought this upon myself. It was because of my behavior and because of the fact that I was gay, uh, that... This was what I deserved. It was punishment. He didn't say God, but I think that that's what he meant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thinking about it uh, later on, but he basically did the whole, I think just 20 minutes, he basically said stuff like that. And I, when he was examining me, he was really aggressive in the way that he was saying things. He said just, he literally, and I can not call exactly how he said it. He said, open up your hole and let me look at what's inside. He said it like that, and it, I felt really violated at that stage, like because
0: yeah.
1: I, yeah, he was accusing me of, of uh, you know, being responsible of having HPV, and then like, continuing in the, in that, you know, and it just I didn't know what to say. Um, I know that I should have just left uh, or just said something, but I was just so yeah. taken aback. I didn't know what to do and again i felt like i deserved what he said but i still i never again went back i never again went back for the operation i found another proctologist who was perfect and that was back in geneva where i lived yeah. um and he was great like we he did the operation and all that and uh i just need to mention as well that i had told my gp six months before that i had had a contact with someone that did have hpv and he just told me, as long as you don't feel anything, there's no need to check. But it's this proctologist yeah. told me, Yes, if you had come to me six months earlier, we could have avoided the operation I and mean, it would have been simple. Yeah. So um so yeah, I guess there's a lot of um doctors as well who aren't maybe aware or don't know how to, you know, to handle these situations and these um,
0: Yeah
1: things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a thing um that they're I don't know if they're just not informed or they just don't care. But um, when it comes to the health of queer people, they just don't seem to give as much of a shit, I suppose. It's probably the only way to put it. Um, I think it's definitely a changing thing. I think it's definitely something that's being brought in where they have to care more now. It's not that they even have the freedom to be, that their personal feelings should not affect how they do their job, basically, which should have just been standard practice. But yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, Christ, like you were in such a vulnerable place and then you had the people who are meant to be professionals just basically mugging you off or yeah. uh, abusing you, basically. it's That's yeah, horrible. I, it's like, geez, that's tough going.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, but then, like, it was hard, definitely, but I wasn't even, I didn't, I wasn't really fully aware and I didn't realize how yeah. hurtful all this was because I was just, I just felt in these years that I I was numb to all that in a sense. I was just it felt as though I was living on autopilot um, yeah. in a sense. So it it hurt me, but it didn't. I didn't realize how much it did, it had. You know, At yeah. the time,
0: and I, I think like like people can hurt you, but no one can ever hurt you as much as you can hurt yourself. And you're probably hurting yeah. yourself more than anything you're yeah. hearing from them, really um so yeah i suppose big highlight there everyone get checked regularly find a doctor that's good (laughs) yes and stick with them
1: yeah and don't hesitate to change like you're no one deserves to be treated like that and no one deserves to have someone that doesn't understand that doesn't listen to them and everyone deserves to be listened to and not be judged so
0: yeah that's really important so okay so going on from there uh we get to the end of college kind of what came next, I suppose
1: basically it was just um it continued like that i started a job at the airport in geneva and before well i was doing two jobs i was at the airport and then i was uh, back as a receptionist at the physio practice that i was at um a few years before that so i was kind of doing the two and this continued like the hooking up with uh, different guys so it continued um yeah. still unprotected um but it was just yeah, that was I think the the height of my autopilot mode, if you like. It, that's yeah, it continued like that. And I had one scare um after that. So the first scare was the HPV and um yeah. the second one was uh when I I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was um in twenty nineteen. No eighteen, sorry, summer yeah. two thousand and eighteen I met a guy he was like I went into I went to his place and something's not I I, I don't feel it but yeah. um, I still stayed and I said I said to myself okay well I'm here now might as well just go on get on with it and um, yeah things happened and after that I came out and I told myself okay. I think um this might have been he might have been um uh positive. I just I just felt it like yeah. and so I went back, I created a fake profile on Grindr, I t- chatted to him, pretended that I was Chicano bug chasers, the the people who I think oh I can't remember the the name of oh, it but like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. someone that was looking to get infected just to see if he was actually HIV positive or not. And it turns out he told me he was. So that really scared me at that stage. But still, I still hesitated. Should I go to the hospital straight away? Or should I just see what happens? But I did go to the hospital. Um, I went to the emergencies, and that was about three in the morning, I think. Um, I went there, and obviously there was no one uh, specialized in sexual health at this time um in the hospital, so I was seen by a doctor told them what had happened. They asked me for the name of the person, so I told them I didn't have the name um and yeah. at that stage, I knew that they wanted to they wanted me to contact him uh via his profile to um get him to come and get tested because they didn't want to give me the um the treatment the um oh yeah emergency treatment after that because I think. They're they're meant to check and they're, they're not meant to give it to anyone like that. They need to assess the risk. And even though I did tell them that there had been anal sex and all that, they um, they um, didn't want to give it to me straight away. So I pretended that okay. I that he had deleted his profile, that I yeah. had no way of contacting him because I yeah. really wanted them to to put me on this uh, on the meds. So um, That's in bad, the interest, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah previous logic. Uh, post-exposure. Experience. Post-exposure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so they did in the end. That was six o'clock. I still remember. I think it was two minutes past six in the morning Jeez. that they gave me that, and they said, "Okay, we're giving you five days. After five days, come back, get tested again." Because they 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 um took a they uh, they did a blood test on me, yeah. and they said, "Come back after five days. We'll do another blood test. Come back then a month later and three months later." and so every day i remember i used to wake up at six o'clock to take the the meds for three uh for a month and it was i used to, um, to have hard nightmares of me not waking up in time to take the meds because i know you need to be very strict with them um, with these and you need to take them really every 24 hours and that. so i used to wake up crying because i thought that i had uh, missed the alarm and i was really um Really in a bad place for the whole month, and um, after that, like it was just waiting. Um, The month after, it was still negative, so I was a little bit relieved, but I knew that I needed to wait the three months to make sure that I would be 100% negative. And um, I, yeah, after the three months, it was um, it was all negative. That was good, and maybe you'd think that that would be the end of it, but unfortunately. Had, had I didn't have, um, I wasn't followed properly by any psychiatrist at that time. Well, uh, sorry, no, I had started another psychiatrist in Geneva who was yeah. not too bad. But I think she didn't realize how serious, how seriously bad I was feeling. So she was kind of not fobbing me off, but just saying, oh, well, you know, you'll feel better soon and blah, 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 and all that. Um, so after the the three months when I was negative, I started again so i went back online and met other guys and didn't protect myself and that so um it after that i can't remember exactly but uh i went i think i rang the psychiatrist and i said okay i think i really have a problem i can't stop i feel like i'm addicted to um self-harm basically that that's when i think i used the term that I, I said, Well, I I am self-harming in a way. Yeah. I want help. She kind of realized at that stage that things were bad. And um so after that there's I started seeing her regularly and I at the airport when I was working I met um a guy who was actually still my boyfriend two and a half years later. Um and things started picking up little by little because I met him when I was um, uh, at my highest point in terms of weight, so I really felt bad um, as far as my Im- self-image was concerned. Yeah. Uh, I met him at this stage, so I knew that he was really nice to me, and he he liked me at that stage, and I liked him as well. Uh, so we started, you know, meeting up and chatting and that. At the same time, I'd started. Um, uh kind of therapy at the hospital here especially for people who are um uh who have who've got um, body mass index that's over 30 so consider obese which was my case and there's a it's a really nice program uh, it's here in the university hospital in geneva and they um they they're all fantastic the whole team you've got doctors you've got um, um people specialize in diabetes you've got um sports um Trainers you've got uh with therapists um there's all sorts of different people and it's all um covered by the insurance so you don't have like exactly. need to pay um the ten percent because here you pay ten yeah. percent of um all that but it's all covered and uh you're really being you know followed through the, the whole process and uh, yeah. and yeah through this and the fact that I met my um, boyfriend at the time. It took about three months for us to officially say that we were dating. But um, um, yes. I started. Yeah, I started feeling much better and uh, much more. Um, you know, like I felt that I was worthy of being loved. Even though I, I think it took me about a year to not ask him every day, "Do you really love me?" or uh, "Are you not going to leave?" or that. So. I did ask a lot um, for for about a year, yeah. Um, And after that, yeah, it just started going uphill and I was able to talk about all that as well a little bit with my parents. I came came out to my dad as well, because I don't know if I mentioned that, but um, I didn't come out to my dad uh, before I, uh, yeah, it was about two years ago when I came out to him. So I came out to him and he was, supportive um completely supportive yeah and uh i really accepted truly at this stage that yes i was gay and yes i had a boyfriend and yes uh we were in love and that i was deserving of that yeah so um so yeah basically now i'm in a much better place and even though sometimes i still think about that and i still realize the the path that i went through um I I don't regret any of it, um, even though I wish I'd known stuff that I know now, <laughs> and I wish the, that I could have um, done things sooner. But I don't regret that, and I'm really grateful for all the people that I met along the way, um, like yeah. these people at the at uh, the hospital, or the um, the that I met um, later on as well. So really grateful for all them, all these people. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So, I suppose just to kind of go back, um do you mind me asking why hadn't you told your uh, dad until that point?
1: Um, it's because I felt that he was he wouldn't accept it because my dad is someone who doesn't really talk about their feelings at all. He's mm-hmm. kind of the, if I can say, the traditional dad. Um, a traditional Swiss dad who doesn't talk about their feelings at all, who doesn't really okay. interact with their children, you know like mean? So, yeah. I never knew what his views were on homosexuality and um, different things like that, you know? So, I honestly assumed that he wouldn't be accepting of it. So, that's why I waited so long and when I did decide to come out to him, it was just the day before we, my boyfriend and I, left for um, China for a holiday. We went to to China and um the day before I don't know I just felt okay this now is the time I've been going out with him for six months I want yeah. my dad to know and I want everyone yet yeah, to know that okay this is who I am and that's it so I did my sister was a great help for that so well. she kind of brought on the discussion and and yeah I just told him I said well do you know um that the person that I'm going with is not just a friend. And he said, Okay, it's fine. That's all he said. <laughs> he really just said, okay. And then after that, I said, Well, do you realize that it, I've it's taken me years to tell you just because you didn't let on anything about yes, I approve or no, I don't approve, and you're so hard to read. So please can you can you just can we make an effort and talk more from now yeah. on? And we have like we've made such an effort and he's much more open as well about his feelings and, and that so brilliant that's really good and I'm, I'm really grateful as well to have had a supportive family uh even though he didn't know like but he was still supportive in his yeah. own way and my friends as well a lot of them were supportive in their own way as i said because most of them didn't know i'm i'm sure if they listen to the podcast they'll there's a lot of people who will realize uh who hadn't realized what i went through and yeah. what i um, got to know them, so so yeah, I'm grateful for all these people as well.
0: Very good. I suppose looking back at it now, you you kind of said this is the first time you've ever gone through the full story in kind of one go. How do you feel about like where you are now in comparison to where you have gone
1: Well, I think I feel good enough to be able to to tell the story out in the open. That that is certainly a, a step forward and. Um, I feel good enough as well to be able to give back, in a sense, what I was given, when I felt low, um, which is really for people who might be struggling like I was or who might be feeling the same way, um, just for them to know that they're not alone. And I know it's easy to say, but they really aren't alone and that they should never assume that just because uh, a doctor is a doctor or Whatever specialist is a specialist that um, that they know everything, or that they know how to treat one, other, or even that they're allowed to treat you in the way that yeah. they did me, or in any way. So, yeah, I think that the message that I want to get across is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, really, and uh, even though it's hard, there's there are people out there who are ready to help and yeah. who will help and who can help.
0: Yeah. I think it's it's kind of, when you're in your kind of worst moment and you reach out to someone for help and I suppose they make it worse, basically going from some of your examples, it can be really discouraging, but I suppose the story that we're kind of telling here is that it is worthwhile to keep pursuing it. If If you feel like you need the help, if you're not getting it from one place, get a second opinion, look for someone else mm-hmm. because there are yeah. people out there who want to help you. It's just unfortunately not, everyone out there who is meant to be able to help you is going to which is just like a horrible horrible thing but there are yeah. wonderful people out there like the ones that you would have met from the program and everything Um yeah. so it's always worthwhile to keep looking
1: yeah and i don't know about in cork exactly um if there's i'm sure there's you know centers uh where you can go and you know talk and get uh advice or you know just yeah talk about anything you you might be feeling and all that There's a few different ones here in in uh, Geneva there's uh, the Checkpoint, it's called Checkpoint where I used to go and they specialise in um, gay men's health so I'm sure in Cork there's loads as well or at least one.
0: Uh, we have a gay project, they're always doing stuff um, if they're looking for counselling or anything, if they're looking for cheap counselling go to like PCI or something it's like a college and you get the final year students doing, they do the counselling for you, like that's where I'm going and like they're as qualified as anyone um yeah. it, it is a matter that like if you don't feel the right fit with someone you could just say it to them they're like yeah grand we'll get someone else for you um yeah. and i think when it comes to counseling and stuff that's a big one because you were saying that your kind of second one you said that like they were fine but you felt like they were kind of mugging you off a little bit just being like oh you'll be okay um, yeah they
1: were they, i don't think she was she fully realized how uh, how bad i was hurting uh, yeah And she was kind of minimizing whatever I was feeling, so that doesn't help either, uh, in a sense. Because you might be trying; she she might have been trying to just tell me, okay, it it could be worse, but it did not help. Oh
0: yeah, Um, like absolutely, that is not what you need to be hearing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but yeah, like my first counselor, I thought he was fine. I just kind of felt he was looking all at the wrong things in my life, Um, Mm -hmm. and like we we got along. It was grand. It was just there was some click that wasn't happening. So I feel like with like psychiatry and uh, psychology, that's kind of what you need. It's just someone that you have a click with where you're like, oh, I can just be fully honest here. I know yeah. I have a safe space. Even some of them that you get along with, it doesn't always mean that you feel safe enough to give them the honesty that you need to give really yeah. to get it back. But yeah, definitely you've had a tough life a it. but you've come a long way and like still young and vibrant, you still have plenty of time in your life.
1: Yeah, no, I I do sometimes even like you're telling me that now. I don't feel that I've had a, a tough life really, even though maybe I, I did. But I still feel that a lot of people have gone or are going through worse. But um, mm-hmm. but no, definitely I, I want my experience to to be a to, you know a, to help people realize that there's it's not the end. Like there's a, there is definitely a way up and um and yeah not to hesitate to um if as you said exactly if you don't click with the person the therapist or anyone just don't stick with them because uh you deserve someone who you can be totally honest with and that's the best way for them to help you as well if you're honest
0: yeah we all know that there's like people out there who have it worse than us but that's not a reason to minimize your problems or to brush them off like yeah. if you're not going to reach out because you're like, oh, someone has it worse, then you're just leaving yourself in a rut. So I that's think, true. Yeah, yeah, you you have to acknowledge like, no matter how in the grand scheme your problems might not seem huge, they're still affecting your day to day life. So like, help yourself, put yourself first, um, and reach out. There's always going to be help out there somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there anything kind of final things you want to give a shout out to or anything?
1: Um, no, I think that's it. I feel like I've been talking for ages anyway, so <laughs> well, I didn't bore anyone either. But, but yeah, no, I think we've covered a lot. And I mean, if anyone wants to reach out maybe in chat, I'd be more than happy to uh, to chat with them or to hand
0: yeah, you want to give it your social shout out or anything? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: my Instagram is Marcus is a cactus in uh, one word. Don't judge. That's, <laughs> that's my uh, Instagram handle, and uh, I'd be more than happy to to chat with anyone who wants to. Yeah.
0: Very good. Um, and is Marcus, Marcus is a cactus? Is that just because it rhymes, or was there a I, thing t- behind that? Be Honestly, I
1: can't remember. I can't remember the story, but it was uh, a very long time ago. I think a friend of mine uh, called me because my name is Mark, and she called. She started calling me Marcus, and then she just said well, one day Marcus Cactus and it just stayed for okay. whatever reason. So yeah, that's why it's been with me ever since.
0: That's actually where my one comes from as well. It was like when I was a kid, uh, there was one of my brother's friends, so he was a bit older. He uh, used to always call me the Duke, and I was like, "All right." So now my Instagram is right. Duke Gallagher. Yeah, it's kind of weird how you hold on to those ones, those little things yeah, when yeah. you're young. and um, oh, I think that's kind of perfect, though. I think nailed yeah. there. <laughs> um, well, I, so I
1: hope uh, I wasn't too uh, like. I hope there's content for people to enjoy, like that they're not. Uh, there is bored.
0: definitely and I think that's kind of my whole thing with Queer Tales It's like it doesn't matter who you are or what your story is yes we all have a unique life but there's always going to be parts in the story that everyone's going to recognize with and are going yeah. to get something out of just to be able to hear someone else be able to say like I went through this but there is something mm-hmm. after if you really yeah. get, get some help and seek it out and you can kind of find happiness somewhere eventually yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true yeah, yeah.
1: definitely perfect
0: As always, big thank you to our guests this week. Mark, it was great to have you on. I look forward to meeting you in person someday. As you said, you'll be coming to Ireland soon. I look forward to having our chats then and getting to talk a bit about the podcast, where you are now at that time. And just again, thank you. Thank you so much for telling your story. I think a lot of people will connect with it and it'll make them feel a bit less alone in this world. So moving on to the usual, Queer Tales can be found on Instagram and Facebook as at Queer Pod. If you'd like to email me for whatever reason, it's at gmail.com. Feedback, suggestions, all of that is welcome. We are, well, I am always looking for new guests. So if you'd like to volunteer as a guest, give me a shout out on Instagram, Facebook, or email me. Uh, you can also reach out to me personally, the Duke Gallagher on Instagram, and I think actually my Facebook is the same. So it's facebook.com slash the Duke Gallagher. Now to finish up, Mark has sent me on some emergency numbers in Switzerland for people who are going through mental health issues um, or are in a mental health crisis, um, such as the suicide prevention uh, line. Uh, those phone numbers can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, and here we have Mark giving the details uh, in French. So enjoy, and thank you for listening.
1: Pour les personnes qui nous écoutent depuis la Suisse romande ou la Suisse, tout d'abord merci. Je voulais préciser qu'il y a des numéros d'urgence qui existent, euh, dont on parle peut-être pas assez, dont on ne fait pas la promotion. Et surtout, c'est des thématiques qui restent encore très tabou dans notre société. Euh, vous avez pour les plus jeunes Pro Juventuté au numéro 147. Vous avez sinon la main tendue au 143 pour toutes les thématiques liées au suicide et aux pensées suicidaires. Vous avez sinon les urgences médicales, l'ambulance au 144 la police au 117, et puis pour tout ce qui est urgence de quelque nature que ce soit en Europe, vous avez le numéro 112 qui est valable dans toute l'Europe.